Hi, my name is Jonathan, and this is Relatable. Today we're here with my friend Amelia, and Posey is sitting with us on the couch, and we have Rudy here too. These are dogs, um, so if you hear them panting in the background, that's them. They want to be on the podcast too. They've heard, heard Lord on the podcast walking in the background, so they get to be on it now. Um, so Amelia, um, how do we know each other? We met through my cousin, um, that's one of your best friends, Yes, I actually live with her as well. Yes. Um, Carly and I used to work uh, together at Starbucks, uh, good old Starbucks bringing people together. Um, I've talked about that multiple times um, in previous podcasts, but um, yes, and then you agreed to come on the show today, so perfect. So we actually have, I mean, the first time we met, I think, was at the dog park, because um, we all went uh, to the dog park, you, me, Lord, uh, Posey, and, and Rudy. And that's kind of like our thing. I think I've seen you more at the dog park than inside of <laughs> our actual house. Um, and then just recently, I feel like, I always, I always feel like um, I eat a lot with people. Um, that's like how I hang out with most of my friends. Um, but yeah, you and Carly um, just got tattoos of little birdies on your foot. I got mine on my foot, yeah. We were just talking a little while ago about getting tattoos because I want um, a sleeve. So we were trying to think of ideas for me to uh, to do that. So you're not from here. You're from... I grew up in San Francisco. Cool. I moved to L.A. when I was 19. So I'm 31 now. <laughs> Quite a few years ago. I actually used to do hair and makeup. Before that, I was a dance major, theater minor. Um, so I moved down here to focus more on the background of that, hair, makeup, costuming. Um, within a few years, kind of realized I wanted to go back to school to be a nurse. So I am now a pediatric nurse and in graduate school to become a pediatric nurse practitioner. Nice. Um, I don't really do hair and makeup anymore. <laughs> I, I try and stay far away from that. Um, but it's been an interesting interesting little road so I was here for about eight years and then moved to Singapore for a year um in the middle of nursing school to work at uh work there doing a hair makeup costuming supervision and then I moved back here finished nursing school moved up to Portland for three years to work as a nurse and then came back down uh, just this past May so you hear licking in the background. <laughs> Rudy, Carly's dog, is literally licking the inside of Posey's mouth right now. It's totally They're normal. They're just making out. But it's not even like the whole mouth. She, he's just like this one side. He's it's like, more her gum line. Yeah, he's just like fixated. Anyway. Um, so you went up to Portland. How long did you live in Portland? I was there for about three years. And then you just moved back here... In May. In May of mm-hmm. last year. Oh my god, that's... Yeah, 2016. That's almost... That was quick. Yeah, because then right after you got here... Or no, right before you got here, I got lowered. I got my dog. Right? I think after I got here. Yeah? Yeah, after I got after? here. After? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then you've been around... And then you and Car- you lived in West Hollywood for a while. And I then did. you and Carly just moved in... October. I moved yeah. in, yeah. 
So now I see you a lot more yeah. and your doggy. <laughs> All right. So do you have a big family? Like how's your, I don't even know, like your family. I know your, your parents own like a restaurant. Mm-hmm. My parents own a restaurant and are chefs up in San Francisco. I have two older brothers. Uh, one of them is actually down in Southern California working. He's an aerospace engineer. Nice. And my other brother is still up in San Francisco with his wife and daughter and he is the assistant director of the theater department um, at a big university up in, the, in San Francisco. That's so cool. I just have one niece, but then I have a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins, <laughs> and I have a very big extended family. Nice. So. so your career, I mean, you, you said you started off in hair and makeup, mm-hmm. and it sounds like your parents, were they both restaurant business? or? Yeah, they actually met. Um, in cooking school. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, nice. My dad is quite a bit older than my mom, and he was divorced and had a... Gosh, my brother was probably 10 or 11 when my parents met. Got it. Already my mom was and, a and, spring and, chicken. <laughs> and no one took on that whole role of like... Nope, none of the kids. Yeah, you guys went completely opposite directions. <laughs> I, would, I always say that and I chose to become a nurse, which is a very stressful, yeah. demanding job, so I would have less stress than my family. But my parents, they own a restaurant and I want no part of that. (laughs) That's cool. That's cool. Um, Do you, do you see your family a lot? Do you go back up there? I don't go up very often. Um, Not, I talk to my parents all the time, but I just, I don't know. It's hard to make it up with work and school and I'm kind of all over the place. When I do get chunks of time off, I tend to travel a lot, especially lately internationally. So it doesn't leave me a lot of time to, to go up and I mean, visit. If, if you can do it, then then go for right. it. I mean, go, I mean, every time, yeah, Carly is like, oh, she's going here, she's going there. I'm like, that, that has to be nice. Just like, oh, I'm going to go for a week or I'm going to go here for a week or whatever. I don't know how I find the time, but yeah. I do. So one of the reasons I, I wanted you to be on the show, bless you, um, <laughs> is because you have a story to tell. So um, one of the things we want to make on the show um is we're trying to redefine the word normal. So let's talk about some of the things that you went through that, I mean, other people might be going through currently or have gotten over or... Sure. I don't really know what the appropriate question to ask you is mm-hmm. other than you battled some some demons with, like, food and weight issues. Yeah. And, and when, did, when did those start? And when did you actually realize that it was problem um it's hard to say when it started I feel like growing up um well my personality is definitely I was severely anorexic to start off with my personality was um kind of built for that and if you know anything about eating disorders it's a lot about control and being a perfectionist and actually not a lot to do about weight um interestingly enough so I I kind of was predisposed, I would say, based on my personality, um, always needing to, to be the best or be at the top and um, really a people pleaser and needing to succeed and needing people to be proud of me and um, kind of impress everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really know where that came from. I actually don't feel like my family put a lot of pressure on me to be that way. It's really internal. Um, I, yeah, it's hard to say, but... From day one, I've been that way. Um, I don't ever remember struggling with food 
growing up really young. I always liked certain things, but I don't feel like I I had any like eating disorder tendencies mm-hmm. that I can identify growing up. Um, I definitely did ballet and dancing starting when I was four or five. For the majority of my life, probably stopped when I was around 18, 17, 18. Um, I also did acting and singing and played music and um, even dabbled in a little bit of modeling. (laughs) Um, Nothing professional, but, you know, you do get that pressure to look a certain way and be a certain way from those, those things. But... I think it was mostly internal. Um, when I was in high school, I definitely had some issues with depression and control. Like I mentioned, um, my grandfather committed suicide when I was young, so it clearly does run in my family, some mental health issues. Um, but food, my, my whole life was about food. My parents you know, we're never around that much. They worked so many, you know, long, long hours and they were just trying to give us a good life. It wasn't that they didn't want to be there, but I think I felt definitely neglected and didn't have those kind of healthy family relationships and that you see on TV and everyone sits down to dinner and (laughs) that didn't happen. But, you know, our world was revolving around this restaurant and the success of the restaurant and food all the time so food kind of became my vice so uh it was a a great way for me to control things that I couldn't control um, when I couldn't control other things so you know if I was having a hard time at school or really wanting to focus on you know a dance piece that I was going to be performing or music class um anything like that it actually kind of helped me focus. I could really control what I took in and it's this bizarre, like almost releases serotonin. Like you get this pleasure out of restricting and having that willpower and it helped me in other aspects of my life, which sounds so screwed up. (laughs) Um, But I would say specifically when it became really bad was um, I was a sophomore in high school, so I was probably 15 Mm -hmm. at the time, and I was dating a boy, and things didn't work out. I mean, whatever that is when you're 15 years old, things didn't work out, and he responded in a way that I didn't expect, per se, and he kind of started stalking me, following me um, to my parents' restaurant, to my house, knowing my family wasn't around. Um, to my friend's houses, to the mall. I remember seeing him. Um, there were times he would write pretty threatening or disturbing things on my locker at school or on the benches where we would all hang out. Um, even he, I remember he used masking tape to write something um, on my sidewalk outside of my house. I kept it a secret from my family for a long time because I was, I think, just trying to be tough and cool. And um, It did scare me, and it made me feel really uncomfortable, and I started being a perfectionist I always did super well in school but my grades definitely started to suffer and I was really distracted and I was just really uncomfortable in the school environment which was just complete 180 for me and um, I started cutting class I just did anything that I could to avoid being there and um, eventually I just stopped going my parents it was I I can't maybe I don't remember clearly but I don't remember them being that upset about it or I just don't know if they were 
too distracted or what was going on, but, um, yeah, they, they kind of didn't make a big deal out of it, and then one day I just decided, like I said, I, I just wasn't going back after spring break. I was like, I'm not coming back to school. I'm not doing it. Um, so then at that point, same point, I had started re- really restricting my calories, and I remember telling my very best friend in the world, who is still my best friend to this day, that I, I told her, I'm going to become anorexic. <laughs> This is what I'm going to do. Like, I <laughs> sound a little crazy, but, um, and I came up with a plan. I was just about to ask, like, how do you, how do you go, okay, I'm going to be anorexic yeah. and then actually do it? Because I, <laughs> the whole, I mean, I'm, I'm totally, I'm completely in the blind here. Like, I don't, un- not that I don't understand. I just don't know, like, I don't know how it actually works. Like, when you're like, this is how... I'm going to eat today. Because you need to eat something, right? Or you need to at have... At first, at least, yeah. Yeah, you need to have some kind of nutritional value in your diet at some point to survive? Um. Well, our bodies can survive a lot for an extended period of time. Um, for me, I started making a plan of um, basically calorie restriction. So for one week or two weeks, I would eat... 1200 calories and then two weeks the whole week no that for the per day and then the next day or week or two i would go down to 750 and then 500 and then 250 and then 200 so i think at my lowest point i was my max that i would allow myself to have was 200 calories a day but i rarely eat that i my diet consisted of when I got really bad, um, my diet consisted of gum, Diet 7-Up, and lettuce with maybe, like, balsamic vinegar. Wow. Not vinaigrette, like, balsamic vinegar on top. So, um... And this was at what age? I was probably 15 at the time. Yeah. So, um... I dropped weight really fast. I have never struggled with weight, um... I've always been really thin, so I didn't have much to protect me. So I got very thin, very quickly. Throughout this process, my parents, they they never really said anything to me. No one ever told me to stop. Wow. <laughs> they never, no one seemed that concerned, so I just kept going. Um, I know, like, here and there, I had a friend that, you know, mentioned something to... I was in Sunday school, and mentioned something to um, our rabbi. I'm half Jewish, half Catholic. That's a side note. But I think I was a, I was a TA for Hebrew school and mentioned something to our rabbi that I was really restricting calories. Um, and he spoke to me and recommended me going to therapy with my family. But it just never stuck. I, I'm not sure why he spoke to my parents and everything with my permission. But... Um, that's kind of it. Like nobody really said anything to me. Nobody. I remember blatantly throwing it in my parents' face. <laughs> they would say, "Well, what do you want for dinner?" And I'd say, "I'm just gonna drink this broth," and they wouldn't react. <laughs> so you know, it was just kind of like, "Okay, fine. I'm just gonna keep going." So when I decided to stop going to school, um, my family, Carly, in fact, um, she still lived in New York. My dad's from New York, so. Um, a lot of uncles and cousins and even my oldest brother at the time lived there. He was performing quite a bit. And so I decided I was going to go to New York for months. 
at a time. Just in the middle of the school year, I, I just was not going anymore. And I went. My parents let me go. I bought a plane ticket. And that's kind of when things got so bad. I mean, I was at the airport. This was before 9-11. So if you were under age, your family could walk you to the gate. Mm-hmm. I ordered a salad and it had black beans in it. And I ate around every single black bean and just ate the lettuce in front of my, my family. Uh, I think they were just probably in denial. My other brother was going through a lot of issues with drugs and um, school, which is funny because he's the smartest person I've ever met in my life. Um, but, you know, we all go through our, our trials and tribulations, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I think they were just so focused on that and on the business that they just didn't have space for yeah. what I was going through. So they sent me on a plane and I spent this, well, I probably only actually spent a month or two in New York before I was sent back. I, at that point I was on like two, 250 calories and then less and less and less. And I remember being there and everybody being really pretty concerned. Um, maybe they were hiding it from me. I didn't know how concerned they were. But I passed out multiple times. I have a scar on my back to this day on my spine, like right on kind of like a bony prominence, like uh, from falling and hitting the like edge of the kitchen table. Um, and re- just remember screaming, like my, sc- my own screaming woke me up. And, like, blood was all over my hand at my uncle's house, Carly's dad's house. And I didn't get my period for at least eight months. I I mean, you don't even think about these things, right? I'm a nurse, so I talk about poop all the time. But, like, I can't even tell you, like, I probably went without pooping four months. Like, it's insane. I didn't, I had nothing. I wasn't eating anything. I was so sick. I would just lightheaded all the time. Just couldn't function, but... You know, part of an eating disorder is that willpower and that control. So I cooked for everyone else all the time and then didn't eat it. So I got really, really, I mean, my parents are chefs, but I got even better at cooking. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just do these weird things. And I think my brother started calling my parents and my uncle started calling my parents. And even my uncle's ex-wife, they had a horrible divorce. And I w- would go stay with her just because of my cousin's um, were there, so I would spend time with my cousins. She started calling my parents, and Carly's dad and my dad are twins, <laughs> so that was like not a welcome when they got divorced and had a pretty nasty divorce. Yeah, um, I think that she was kind of alienated from our family, but still was so concerned that it was calling my dad and my mom, and they were pretty terrified. So, um I was sent home. <laughs> I was forced <laughs> back on a plane from New York. I remember that being the most uncomfortable flight I've ever taken. I was so thin. My <laughs> butt was <laughs> so bony. It hurt so badly to sit in that padded seat for five hours, five and a half hours. I was freezing. It was so cold. I, they gave me, I kept asking for blankets. I couldn't get warm. I got to the airport. I was afraid of my parents. <laughs> I was afraid of what they were going to say. So my mom was cooking brunch at the restaurant, and my dad came to pick me up. And I, because I was so afraid, I asked my best friend, she was home from college for the summer, she's a few years older than I am, um, to meet us at the airport. Oh, wow. And so she did. And I was taken straight to the emergency room. <laughs> I didn't even go home or anything. I, I was brought straight to, the, straight to the emergency room. I remember... You know, you have to realize that this was 
16 years ago, um, the understanding and the stigma about eating disorders is, well, it's still there, but it's much better than it was. Um, I think one of the first questions the doctor asked me is, well, why aren't you eating? (laughs) As if a 15-year-old girl (laughs) who starved herself almost to death would be able to clearly answer that (laughs) question. Like, well, because... Um, just no understanding weighing me right in front of me like with me not even having me turn around like I'm seeing my weight I they needed a urine sample I couldn't pee because I was so dehydrated so they had to load me up with IV fluids for about six hours before I could even give them the smallest urine sample um I was so numb to everything I don't even remember like they took so much blood for me I don't even remember it um they had to just keep piling on blankets things like that uh, I was really pretty upset because, well, I'm here, I'm really sick, but my mom had to finish cooking brunch first because that was their priority, and I think I understand a little more now, but even so, I think that was something that hurt. Um, Your daughter's in the emergency room, but no, you have to, you know, I I think they were so afraid that they presented as angry, and that hurt. Um, I think I got to 85 pounds. I'm 5'7", <laughs> so that, uh, they gave me three months before all my organs started failing. So basically, I was given three months to live if I didn't start eating. And you can't just start eating. It's not just like, okay. Yeah. I'm, I mean, for most people, I think that's a terrifying thought when you're in the throes of an eating disorder. Losing that control and having somebody take that from you and somebody saying, no, this is what you're eating and these are how many calories you're eating and these are the few things that we're going to choose for you to eat. I mean, you've used this to control your whole life and now someone is taking, so the only control that you have left at this point, someone's taking that away, it sends you into a panic. Um, We, they they wanted to do inpatient, had me hospitalized and I resisted. I probably should have now, looking back, um, especially because, well, I was an eating disorder nurse for years, which is interesting, <laughs> but um, I probably didn't get the complete total care that I needed, mm-hmm. which carries into my day-to-day life now, but I promised, I promised and swore up and down and signed a contract that if you let me do outpatient therapy, I will eat. <laughs> I will get better. And so I went to eating disorder therapy twice a week. Um, and then one of those times, my parents came for an hour session as well. And I refused to go to group therapy. I'm not sure why. I think I was really uncomfortable being around other people that had the sim- like similar problems or that I would, I think, compare myself or get really good ideas of how to get worse, Uh, which is clearly not what, that's my dog, which is clearly not what group therapy is about, but in my teenager head, I absolutely refused. Um, I went to, so I had to go there two days a week. Every time I was weighed, I had to go to my primary care, my pediatrician once a week as well, which I was weighed. They make you strip all uh, underwear, everything off. Um, and put on the same gown, on the same scale, turn your back. Um, they're not really that sympathetic. You know, they don't care that you're a teenage girl and you're shy. And like, no, take everything off and they will check to make sure that everything is off. Um, and then I also had to go to a nutritionist once a week. 
and get weighed there as well. So I was being weighed four times a week. Um, shockingly enough, they let me see how much I weighed at my therapist's office, which I think is horrible now. <laughs> Why? I mean, I guess like so I could see my progress, but what a horrible concept. Never. You should never. I don't own a scale now. It's, you know, I haven't owned a scale. And yeah. Since then, I mean, I, I can't. Did I'm you, obsessed. How often would you weigh yourself when you were like controlling your intake? I don't really remember weighing myself that often. I don't think my parents had a scale or if they did, it was in their room or something. It wasn't just out in the open. Um, I think that there was a scale at my uncle's house. And so maybe I would weigh myself and I'm like, Oh, I'm 92 pounds. That's great. But I never remember looking in the mirror and saying like, Oh, I look really thin. And so I would just keep doing what I was doing. Like I even was working out sometimes. I mean, not obviously not when I got that sick, but yeah. near the beginning I was working out five, six days a week. I mean, as a dancer, so yeah, <laughs> and I I was in shape and I exercised and I don't know. I was just killing myself basically. Now that I think about it, but um, yeah, I don't. I never really used the scale per se as like a way to measure, but now for me, that's a trigger. Yeah. And so I try and avoid it. Um, although lately, my cousin just bought a scale. I was going to say, Carly was telling me that she wanted to buy a scale. She did buy one, and I know it's there. I've only stepped on it once. But instantly, I'm like, okay, I want to weigh this much. So I'm going to like weigh myself like once a week, and I'm going to do these things. And basically, anytime something happens now... Um, I have to be so aware of myself in the situation because it is so easy to slip back into it. I mean, I did go to three plus years of eating disorder therapy, but I don't feel like they gave me the tools to think or believe. And maybe, maybe I can't. Maybe I just I don't. I, I I'm different. My you know chemical composure of my brain is is not going to be that of somebody who doesn't have this disorder. But um, I never felt like I, I was given the tools to just, like, live an, a normal, healthy life. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's something that you... Well, I don't know. Do you, it, I don't believe that it's something that you're ever really cured of. It's some, I think it's something that you, you... It's a constant reminder every day that, like, right. you literally have to be aware of yourself completely and everything that you're doing that you're doing it for the right reason and you're not um it's like an addiction yeah uh it's like being an alcoholic you're never fully recovered yeah you're always in recovery and so 16 years later it's a battle I fight every single day of my life it's torture I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy oh I don't think I have an enemy but or the you know, the most evil person in the world. <laughs> I would never wish an eating disorder. It's it's literally like living through hell in your brain every single day. And you can be successful and, you know, people have no idea and they think you look great. And, you know, it's, it's awful. People will be like, oh, you're so healthy. And in my mind, that's so twisted. I'm like, that means I look fat. That means... Because now, even though it was never about weight, I one of the consequences of my eating disorders, I have this just horrible horrible debilitating body dysmorphia so it really makes no difference what size I wear or how much I weigh 
what I see in the mirror is not what anybody else sees. And there are times, not nearly as frequently as it used to be, but there are times where it will, I, I won't leave the house, I won't go out, I'll just sob, I'll break down, like I am so, I feel like I look so horrible, like I don't want anyone to see me. I, and then there are other times where I think I look great, but I still never, even those moments where I'm like, this is a win. I like the way I look. That is a win. I never feel like I know for a fact, still, still, I don't look the way that, the same way like other people see me. In my mind, yeah. I look different. Um, I notice every single flaw, every single freckle, every single, you know, like you can't even imagine like the things that I see that a lot of times aren't even there. Yeah. Um, it's terrible. It's terrible. But, and then now every time I take on something new and a new challenge, I, you have to check yourself like, okay, this is going to be, I mean, when I went to nursing school and I went to undergrad, my parents were terrified because I'm such a perfectionist that I was then going to use food as a way to control that. I didn't. Um, and now it's like the same thing with grad school or anytime anything kind of like happens in my life, whether it's a breakup or my best friend passed away a year and a half ago from brain cancer, you know, we were 29. Like your, your best friend doesn't die when you're 29. I have a skewed <laughs> view yeah. of death because I'm a nurse, so I process it much better. But there's always... A part of me that wants to control my life with food yeah. and when I do it I still get this kind of sick satisfaction from it like oh I don't eat today and yeah. I'm like proud I mean and I'm 31 years old and I'm proud that I can starve myself better than anybody else yeah. you know um it just doesn't go away it never goes away you have to be so careful all the time um it's kind of a sad, a sad thing. It's a hard thing, but... Well, if there's something that you could... If there's anything positive that you could say to anyone that is, like, going through something like that. Like, what is... What do you wish you could go back and kind of tell yourself? Um, I think that I'm actually really proud of the person I've become. And I think that because I've been forced to do so much work on myself through, I mean... Yes, I went to three years of eating disorder therapy at that time, but I've always gone back. Even if I've taken a break from therapy, I, I go back, I check in with myself. I, I have to. Um, it's made me so self-aware. But you have to do the work. You have to do the work. Because I've done the work, I feel like I've been able to succeed and cope with it and the illness in healthier ways. Like, uh, I just went through a pretty difficult breakup, and... I bought a guitar and I'm learning how to play guitar, you know, as my creative outlet while I'm, you know, working and in grad school and doing mm -hmm. all these things. You, you try, you seek out positive ways, which to me is such a huge step, but you can recover to the point that you can cope. Yeah. You just, the thing about an eating disorder is you, you learn coping mechanisms yeah. that are healthier. And so if you do that, if you do the work, then you can be very accomplished and very successful, but you know, you'll you never lose that kind of perfectionist side of your personality. I'm super laid back compared to how I used to be, 
but I kind of credit that to being a nurse mm-hmm. and having to let go of things mm-hmm. and go with the flow. <laughs> Not necessarily. I mean, I'm sure it has to do with some of the work that I've done too, but, um, you know, I see a lot of, a lot of patients that are struggling with things I struggled with and it does, it does get better in a, in a way that you, yeah. you learn, you function, but you have to do the work. Yeah. If you don't do the work, it just, it's yeah. a, a scary road. Yeah. Well, what made, made you, you know, go into the line of work that you're in now and, you know, seeing some of the people that are going through the same things, like, is that something that you, you sought out to, like, help or? I think that when a lot of people go into the medical field, especially with nursing, it tends to be a second career for a lot of people. Like, it was definitely for me. Um, people have this aha moment where oh you know my father was sick my husband was sick my brother sister my child um you know and it inspired me seeing the care that nurses gave I didn't have that I don't have this moment actually my my eating disorder didn't really inspire me to become a nurse um if anything well it taught me what not to do in a lot of ways (laughs) but I I think that it's my personality. I think I love caring for people, just to my core. Um, I love providing and I love caring, and especially like little ones that are so innocent. The world is a a relatively ugly place right now, um, especially lately, and you can be the person that helps make that day better and brighter, and whether it's emotionally, spiritually, physically, whatever you're doing, I, I want to be that person yeah. that provides so it's again part of the same personality trait but um you know and I can remember feeling that way from as a little girl I loved performing and I loved being creative but at a certain point I realized that I wanted to do that more and I felt like other people wanted this you know career and the spotlight more and I wanted to in the backgrounds and be providing for other people more so that's kind of what inspired me to become a nurse um I remember like applying to grad or undergrad and looking at the application and seeing nursing as an option and being like oh that's really what I want to do but not being able to really I was I had to get over my own stuff first yeah it there was no way that I could take care of other people to the extent that you need to as a nurse um while being so sick and yeah. going through my my own things, um, it took me years to gain the weight back. Yeah, years. Um, it I'd say like ten years. <laughs> really, realistically, it was brutal. Yeah. Um. Maybe not even. I've gone like up and down, even like a lot. But yeah, I don't know. I I just it's me, like one hundred percent of yeah. me, and. Um, I started, you know, taking prerequisites when I was still doing hair and makeup and just knew, and I always wanted to do pediatrics. You know, there are always things where I was a TA in Sunday school and I taught preschool and, you know, I used to babysit and nanny all the time. So I was always somehow involved with taking care of children. It was a passion of mine, something that I felt really strongly about. Um, 
and even like when traveling and when living abroad, anytime I had the opportunity to volunteer um, with children that were in need or provide for them, like I, that always inspired me. It was yeah. always something I wanted to do, so it just seemed really natural. Yeah, it seemed like the right choice. Yeah. Which made sense. And it's, you know, a lot of things I think led me in that direction with my grandfather. Like I mentioned earlier, committing suicide when I was young. I didn't know him, you know, I was so young. I was only two, but um, he played in the NFL and he had so much brain trauma. And they would call it CTE now, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. So that was something I was fascinated with. Um, at a relatively young age and learning about concussions and traumatic brain injuries and and so then I became a pediatric neurology nurse (laughs) so you know it's like this bizarre like tangled web of everything that got me to where I am and now that's ultimately my goal as a pediatric nurse practitioner to focus on pediatric neurology um I don't know. It just makes sense. Yeah. It's hard. There's no, you know, I think, like I said, people have these aha moments and it's so easy for them to say why, but that's always been something for me that I'm like, I, I just, can you say that it's just who you are? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's a, I feel very fortunate. I feel very blessed that I found a career that I'm so passionate about. Yeah. Um, that really represents who I am as a person. I feel like people struggle to find that I, it's not lost on me Yeah. how lucky I am and that it can support me as well. So, but yeah. And, go, and going through like all that school, that's like a lot of time and a lot of patience. And I mean, you're, I mean, that, I, that, that's something that your personality, personality just like, I guess compliments. Cause it's like, yeah, you need that like, structure and <laughs> dedication to actually be yeah. able to, to stick it out and and go through it because how, how long of schooling is is it total because you're still in school I'm in school um and working full-time or I work part-time right now it's just too hard to work full-time uh but there's still 12-hour shifts yeah because I'm inpatient I work in the hospital so yeah I, I work 12 and a half hour shifts if I get out on time, which is a difficult <laughs> thing as a nurse. Um, but yeah, so I work about two days a week and then I go to school two to three days a week right now. Um, it will become more as I add on clinical rotations and everything in the nurse practitioner role, but then go to work as a bedside nurse. So it's, they're very, very different, <laughs> very different yeah. things. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, a lot of people, specifically with anorexia, there are obviously different types of eating disorders. Um, mm-hmm. I can only speak to anorexia. I was never bulimic. Mm-hmm. Um, I never tried. I, you know, there are overeating and there are many, many types of eating disorders, which a lot of it comes down to control. I mean, most of them. But there's a really specific personality type for people that are anorexic. And you can read about it in textbooks, and you're like, holy crap. I'm like, shit, <laughs> that is me. How did they yeah. put me in a textbook? It's almost scary. Yeah. Um, but they're like, they literally will describe, like, ballerina, 4.0 student, people pleaser, loves her parents, like, has lots of friends, you know, like, it's, it's creepy. Yeah. Um, it's like those weird books where it's like, <laughs> oh, you were born on this day? Here's everything about you, and you're like... How do you know me? It's so scary. Uh, But it, (laughs) 
but I don't know if this is really a healthy comment, but that personality will, will really um, make you successful in a lot of things. <laughs> you know, you, you will when, when work hard. Right, when you use the right Yes, way, of yeah. course. In of the course. wrong hands, this power can <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah, it's a dangerous weapon. So where do you see yourself going in the future? Like, obviously you want to go into that uh, nurse practitioner mm-hmm. role. Right. And then what do you see... Your, what What is your happy? Like, what is your your goal in life? No restrictions. <laughs> you're happy. Um, I feel like this recently changed a little bit because of just, you know. <laughs> yeah. My breakup, I would say, kind of changed things. But um, I've always wanted to live abroad again and work as a nurse or nurse practitioner um, internationally. I lived, in a, those are my neighbors screaming. <laughs> I lived um, in Oxford for a summer studying abroad, studying um, pediatric global health specifically, and was really able to tap into that interest of global health and health disparities across the world. And that's something I just am very interested in. I'd say that and the neurology are kind of just my my big time goals and interests. So I've recently um, really been researching nurse practitioner, pediatric nurse practitioner positions abroad. Uh, it's, it's fascinating. It's a different kind of role that they don't have established in many countries. Mm-hmm. Um, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, it's all pretty well established at that point. So I'm strongly considering um, kind of signing a contract to work in Europe as a nurse practitioner um, when I'm done with school, which is another year and five months, but who's counting? (laughs) Um, I I just, I love, I have the travel bug. I have like major wanderlust and I tend to like to run away (laughs) and just kind of start, start over a lot, which... I don't know, healthy or not, but that is part of my personality. Um, I feel like I'm pretty courageous. Like, I'll go. I'll go. I'll move by myself. Like, I'm not afraid of it. And you're going to be doing something that's good. So, I mean, as selfish as it is, is you wanting to travel and run away, (laughs) you're still going to, like, do... You're going to give back. You're going to do good, so... Yeah. I... I'd love to be, you know, starting, you know, being a part of an organization that creates healthier communities across the world and rural communities and where it's really needed. Yeah. Um, do you think that's something that you could create or? I think as a nurse practitioner, you couldn't do it on your own. Yeah. I think you'd have to have a partnership with MDs and surgeons and nurses, which like, oh my gosh, bedside nurses are the saving grace to medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I'm going out of that role, I, wow, you but, can't, but you can't you, do anything without them. Yeah, but you've, <laughs> but you've also now established yourself as like, you have that knowledge of what that does so you can appreciate, you know, you can appreciate what they do. So if you're going to a nurse practitioner and you need MDs or you need other people to like help you out, you can that's someone that I would want to work with right. who's been in the role right. that I've been in that's like, oh, okay, they they get me. They get what I want to do. I want to help too. Let's 
do this together. So. And there are a lot of people that want to do the same things yeah. that I want to do. There are a lot of people that want to provide health care to specifically children, but anyone really in need across mm-hmm. the world. There are so many people that you know, get into medicine for even specifically that reason. Um, so I don't feel like it would be hard to become a part of an organization that does something like that. Uh, it will be interesting to see, you know, if I have to, how much experience I have to gain as a nurse practitioner in a brand new role, which mm-hmm. never is fun <laughs> to be new at something. Um, but, you know, I that's kind of the dream yeah. is traveling the world building clinics for children in need which sounds like pretty lofty but I feel knowing me realistic that once I decide I'm gonna do something I do it I mean again you can use that personality to do whatever you want I mean you've Mm -hmm. you've clearly already shown like there are no boundaries that you can't can't you know overcome so if you know creating something and getting into an organization that that's that's happening maybe that's like your goal I mean that that seems like the next logical step in my brain for you but I mean if if it works for you then I mean go for it right and and, and that that's a good personality to have I'm one of the people that I'm like idea 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 and then it's like follow throughs like yeah so if you can idea and have the follow-through like that's great I mean it is still I I've definitely become more lax (laughs) as I've gotten older so I I have to kind of remind myself to focus but uh school's my thing yeah I, I I excel and thrive in that environment I I do well um and I do well as a nurse I've it's this kind of the strangest strangest feeling it almost feels like an out-of-body experience that I've like found my calling yeah I've found what I am here to do put on this earth to do and I think that yeah I mean the eating disorder it's torture and and struggling with that every single day is torture but if I didn't have that personality I would not be here and I would probably not have found my calling and potentially kind of going through life searching for what I'm supposed to do. I feel like most people do that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if if it helped get me here, then I guess in a really backwards way, I'm super thankful for it. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I'm excited to see what happens in your future. I mean... You obviously have an interesting story, so that's <laughs> that's good. But I mean, I want to see now, like you know, when the show finishes and it's like yeah. eight weeks later, or you know, two years later, yeah. Amelia created this and, blah, <laughs> and it's now the blah blah blah. You know, that'd be that'd be cool to you know see in the future. Yeah. So you'll have to come visit me on my <laughs> excursions around yes. the world. Yes, I will. Build a website yes. and things I'll, for I'll, my I'll help out. my big uh, NGO Sounds company. Good. <laughs> All right, well, I think we're good here. Um, our conversation was great. Well, it was mostly your, your story, which is, which is totally fine. It was awesome. I enjoyed it. I think it, it, it will help a lot of people. Um, it definitely has made me feel closer to you because you're opening up, so that's great. Um, and, yeah, thank you for being on the podcast.
podcast. Yeah, of course. Thanks for listening to my story. Of course. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.